Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. So, first of all, I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Um, it's going to be an interesting Yay. one. So, happy 2020, a new decade. Um, we'll see what we've got for store in these next 10 years. <laughs> Likely going to be interesting. I'd like to introduce my hosts, co hosts for today uh, Erica, Doug, and Tiff. My name's Elliot. And, uh, and in today's show, we're basically just going to be going through some of the weird and crazy things that have been happening over the past month or so. So this week's show is basically just a roundup of many of the news items that have been or that have caught our attention and that we feel um, would be useful to discuss. So in this topic, we're going to be talking about several different things. We're going to be looking at vaccines new vaccine which has just come out we're going to be looking at some of the um abhorrent behaviors of the fda <laughs> be looking at um adhd whether that's a real thing whether that's been overblown um and a couple other things today so um to start off things should we talk about the new ebola vaccine that's come out yeah i think that's, that's a good being, place to being start approved? Yeah, so there was a, just before Christmas, Christmas Eve, new article came out um, titled The FDA Approves Merck's New Live Ebola Vaccine and says that it can shed, which says that it can shed and cause immunosuppression. So essentially, Merck, um, big pharmaceutical company, have come out with a new vaccine which um, is said to protect against the deadly Ebola virus. Mm. Now, some of you may remember Ebola. There was a massive scare about it a couple of years ago now. Um, and it's definitely not something that you'd want to catch, for sure. Mm. Uh, it can be fatal. Um, but whether this vaccine is going to be of any use or not is is a good question. So yeah. um, on December 20, 20th, 2019, it was Merck that announced it received FDA approval for the new Ebola vaccine. And the Ebola vaccine is contained, it contains a life form of the virus, Zare Ebola virus. So, what do we yeah. think? Well, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, I think it will. Like, just the fact that they've admitted that it, it actually sheds. Like it says right, apparently it says right in the pra uh, package insert, transmission of vaccine virus is a theoretical possibility. Vaccine virus RNA has been detected in blood, saliva, or urine for up to 14 days after vaccination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the duration of shedding is not known. However, samples taken at 28 days after vaccination tested negative. Vaccine virus RNA has been detected in fluid from skin vesicles that appeared after vaccination. So in other words you get the vaccination and then you are contagious with mm. Ebola for at least 14 days. Yeah, not just in your blood, saliva and urine, but apparently there's a chance that you're gonna get some skin vesicles too after you get vaccinated. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, man, honestly, <laughs> it's really, it's it's crazy. Like well, this green, sorry, this, go ahead, Tiff. This vaccine, I think it's been used in trials since 2015 um, in Africa, possibly the D 
DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mm. So they've been testing this since 2015. And there's been, I guess, the biggest one that got the all the news. I think that was back in 2014. I think where um, they had like a, some foreign people that were in Africa and they brought them to the U.S. and treated them at uh, hospitals near the CDC in Atlanta. And uh, so there was a, a whole big hubbub about that with all the news stories that came out. But apparently this vaccine has been in trials since around that time or a little after. Mm. And there have been smaller outbreaks, didn't receive very much news coverage, but I don't think it's ever been eradicated. Yeah. Well, the, the, no, I was just going to say, Doug, one of the scariest things about this vaccine um, is that apparently in the clinical studies, uh, when they were measuring the white blood cell count, the subjects who had had the vaccine, as one of the adverse effects, what they found was that the lymphocytes, which are a certain type of, immune cell lymphocytes were reported in up to 85 no sorry decreases in lymphocytes so actually they found that the lymphocyte count in the blood had decreased in 85 percent of subjects mm -hmm. and they they an, another type of immune cell called a neutrophil um that was lower in 43 percent of subjects so the author of uh the the article which is kind of reporting on this said that Considering the fact that Ebola virus infection causes the death of lymphocytes and neutrophils, the vaccine appears to induce the very time, same type of immunosuppressive effects that are associated with morbidity and mortality from the disease mm -hmm. it's attempting to prevent. So essentially, mm -hmm. this idea that perhaps if someone becomes an active carrier of the live virus, let's say, um, one of the ways that the virus is affecting the human body and potentially killing someone is by destroying the counts of white blood cells, including mm -hmm. lymphocytes and neutrophils. So <laughs> saying that this is essentially having a very similar effect to if you were to get the virus itself. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's insane. And the other thing, the other negative thing about it too, is that apparently once someone has had the uh, vaccine, it becomes very difficult to tell in testing whether they have the wild type of Ebola infection or a vaccine strain Ebola infection. So it's kind of like, it's just going to screw up the numbers. They're not really going to have a clear picture of what's really going on with the disease because everybody who's had the vaccine looks the same as everybody who actually has the actual disease. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing with this reminds me of, I think it was even our last show before, before the, our break for um, the holidays uh, where we talked about uh, the New York Times article that um, was talking about polio mm -hmm. and that now more uh, polio cases are now caused by the vaccine than by the wild virus. Um, interestingly, you know, because this story kind of reminded me of that, I went back to the New York Times to, to look at that article, and it appears to be scrubbed. Um, I could not find it on the New York Times site. I tried searching the title, tried searching just for keywords and all those sorts of things. The original link is dead. Um, fortunately, you can still find it up on SOT um because uh we archive things there but i thought that that was very interesting that the new york times publishes something about polio more polio cases being caused by the vaccine but then by the wild virus and that just disappears 
Well, speaking of polio vaccines, I think that they were contaminated with a simian virus that's been linked to cancer. And this same cell line is being used in this current new Ebola vaccine. So it's going to be a disaster in a couple of different ways. Like say if you caught wild Ebola for some reason, again, I think they're downplaying uh, the fact that in a lot of these areas where Ebola is breaking out is very poor, poor nutrition, poor sanitation. So that always plays a big part in any kind of disease outbreak. But say you were to catch the wild Ebola virus, um, you could, you have like maybe a 50% chance of dying from that. I think the, the death rate is like 40 to 50% if you were to catch the wild virus. But if you were to take the vaccine, not only could you still get the virus, you could probably have a, like a worse course of the illness, like say they're like people who have been vaccinated against chickenpox as a child and maybe in their 20s, they might catch chickenpox even though they're vaccinated. And it's much, much worse than if they would have gotten and if they were younger. So you can apply that to Ebola perhaps and then you could spread it to other people, which would cause the spread of Ebola. And then if you manage to survive all of that, you have the chance of coming down with some kind of autoimmune or cancer type disease later in life. Right. Yeah. Maybe Sounds that's like the kind intention. Of well, of course, you know, these, the vaccines, I think I've read in another article, they have like maybe 200,000 doses at the ready for use and they're going to, you know, start vaccinating like the contacts of the people who came in, who had contact with the people who came down with Ebola, like the healthcare workers, their relatives, and they'll just go like in a ring formation and, and vaccinate people. But I think it's, it's going to cause the spread of the vaccine. I don't know if this is something that they're gearing up for, but it always seems to be like, um, like with polio again, like the wild type virus, once sanitation and clean water and that were implemented, the polio cases went down and then the vaccine was introduced and the polio cases went back up. So it wouldn't be a shock if we saw something like that with Ebola. I'm expecting it actually. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all either. Another kind of concerning thing is, again, this is another one of those FDA fast-tracked approvals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 10 years ago, um, only like 10% of drugs uh, were approved in such a speedy way, but now over 60% of, of new drugs are fast-tracked. So mm. they don't go, I mean, we mentioned this again, like you were saying, Doug, in the previous vaccine show about Gardasil. Gardasil was another fast-tracked FDA approved vaccine. So they, they haven't taken the time to study all the side effects. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, let's just get this to market and then we'll just use humans as guinea pigs to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they'll study the side effects for a couple of weeks 
Mm -hmm. or so just a short time after they start doing the trials on the vaccines or any kind of drugs, but they don't go back years later and do a test or any kind of study comparing people who are vaccinated to non-vaccinated people or people who came down with Ebola wild type versus people who were vaccinated. None of that is going to be done. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, this is becoming the new normal of to just kind of push these things to market and see what happens. Well, I could see why they would do it in the case of a pandemic or an epidemic. Like if you believe in the whole science behind vaccination, then yes, it would kind of make sense that they would want to fast track something that's killing a lot of people. But mm-hmm. but they exploit other, that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, especially like when you've got something like Ebola, which, you know, is so scary. Because it's mm-hmm. this thing where you just start, you know, if you catch it, you start bleeding out of every orifice and through the skin. And like, it's it's a horrible, horrible sounding thing. So I think that they really exploit the fact that this disease is spreading mm-hmm. um, in certain countries and, you know, that they there have been um, certain contained instances in the West. Um, they exploit that uh, and get everybody, the, they ramp up the fear and then they push through this vaccine that... You know, given what's mentioned in this article, it, it seems far from it. It seems far from ready. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, it doesn't seem like this is actually ready to be out there and be used. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they push it through based on on fear, and uh, I I just really hope that it's not going to be some horrific disaster where you've mm-hmm. got, you know, that it just suddenly the disease just explodes. Yeah. Um, as oftentimes with these vaccines, then there's not enough groundwork done. There's not enough background checks. There's no long-term studies which are performed and the ones that are performed are usually shams. So Mm -hmm. if it's, if the pass is anything to go off, then the, these big companies just do all that they can to push something through, to push these vaccines through and these new drugs as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not even like pharmaceutical drugs where you have to have multiple rounds of testing. It's like a lot of the time with the vaccines, they just fast track it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the human body has a lot more defense against a oral medication mm-hmm. than it does a vaccine. Well, um, I think part of the reason that they fast track vaccine is because the people at the top of the pharmaceutical industry they know vaccines are bullshit they know that no matter how much testing it does they do you know all the the results are going to be unfavorable if you really look at you know the data that they come up with in their studies Mm -hmm. so what's what's the point of taking it slow they're all crap and they're all going to cause damage they're they want to make as much money as they can in a short amount of time as they can yeah it's true. They just get it out there as quickly as possible, make as much money off, off it as they can. And mm-hmm. then when disaster strikes, they pay their pittance um, mm-hmm. when they're sued, which is already worked into their costs, probably. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll go, go for the next epi- epidemic. What's the next yeah. one? Yeah. <clears throat> talking about vaccines, uh, kind of on the topic of what we've just been talking about. There was a an event that occurred at a Texas school not long ago. 
Uh, it was involving a different vaccine. This one was for whooping cough. Uh, the actual disease is it's called pertussis. If that's how you pronounce it. Um, and this was it's very interesting, actually. It's quite funny to, to watch um, because what they found was that you had an outbreak of whooping cough. You had a bunch of children who came down with this illness. And yet... Interestingly, when you look at the statement made by the school, which was sent to the parents, it confirms that every single one of the students at this school were 100% vaccinated. So they had <laughs> received the vaccine against the disease and they still got the disease. Mm. That's a problem, right? That kind of highlights maybe the vaccine doesn't work as well as they say it does. Yeah, right. and maybe herd immunity is a bunch of crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah, like it. It really kind of makes you think. Well, is the vaccine actually doing anything? Yeah, anything at all? You know, you vaccinate a hundred percent of the students against whooping cough, and then there's a whooping cough outbreak. How does that happen exactly? If the if the uh, vaccines are as effective as we're always told they are on uh, on uh, through the media. Well, interestingly enough. It, uh... Quote here, it says that studies show that, that by five years after the completion of the series of these vaccines, some children were up to 15 times more likely to acquire pertussis, being whooping cough, compared to the first year after the series. So mm -hmm. basically, after five years, whether the vaccine does work or not, after five years, the, um, the, the efficacy goes down greatly. So the, mm -hmm. the entire notion that a vaccine provides long-term immunity doesn't seem to be supported in this case. Um, and it's, it's kind of ironic because they, when you read their kind of um, the nonsense that they spout about herd immunity and about the dangers, the potential dangers and the, the, the troubles that the parents have to go through because they're, bombarded with this idea that actually unvaccinated children pose a real genuine threat to the vaccinated community because the unvaccinated child can harbor this disease. But what this is kind of showing is that that whole idea is a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. Um, what I and sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Elliot, but I was just wondering because like you were just saying, the studies show that five years after completion, um, children were up to 15 times more likely to acquire pertussis compared to the first year after the series. I would be interesting to, interested to see them compare, which you never see in studies, by the way, compare <laughs> unvaccinated children to the vaccinated one oh, and indeed, see what, yeah. the, what the actual um, comparison would be on that front. Because... Mm -hmm. I, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if it would turn out that the vaccinated children were actually more protected against a wild virus than the vaccinated ones. I don't think there's ever been a study like that, or well, there may have been one. I think there may have been one like a, a year or two ago. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, out of I Japan, maybe? I seem to remember it yeah. being out of Japan. Yeah. yeah, there was one like last year. I'm pretty sure Dr. Stephanie Seneff was talking about it. Mm. She was saying that there was like one study because I don't think it's ever been done in the US. We know why. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was showing that kids who didn't receive vaccines were not only less likely to develop the actual 
illness that they were vaccinated against, but also they had much better health outcomes in terms of allergies, in terms of kind of chronic immune function, in terms of many different outcomes. I'm pretty sure that they fared well on most of them when compared to the vaccinated children. And I'm also pretty sure that the autism, the, the rates of autism um, and other kind of neuropsychiatric issues uh, were lower. But don't quote mm. me on that. I just vaguely kind of remember reading that study. So, yeah, not looking good. Well, considering that, this pretty much shows that 100% vaccination in a school population offers no protection against disease. I don't think that this is really going to stop the true believers in vaccination. I think when we see this, like 100%, that's high, but a lot of like other measles outbreaks and that, the vast majority of the kids in the school were vaccinated. But the true believers of vaccination, they're probably just going to say, in which they have said before, you know, we just need more and better vaccines, not that vaccines themselves are crap. We just need more vaccines, more research, better vaccines, and they're just going to double down on their whole vaccination uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah yeah um so overall it's not impressive and <laughs> that's yeah it's unfortunate that they don't tell you that <clears throat> the vaccines having so many potential risks in terms of how they can essentially you know turn your beautiful young flourishing child into a cabbage right because mm -hmm. that does happen with all due respect to the parents of these children you know, it can literally disable kids left, right, and center. That's what it does in thousands of cases. So they tell you, you know, they, they don't tell you about the risks. And then they also don't tell you that the effectiveness of many of these things completely overblown and likely or potentially making things worse in the first place. Yeah. Um, so just like we always talk about on the show, it's another, another scam, another scam. <laughs> More or less. More or less. Um, what else have we got in this this week's roundup? So, moving on, let's talk about let's talk about the FDA. So, the, we're just talking about how the FDA approved this sham vaccine, which is potentially going to be spreading Ebola, a nasty virus. Um, but let's look at what else the FDA is doing. So are they doing good stuff? What good stuff are they doing? <laughs> the FDA and all of their wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Food and Drug Administration Agency. They do lots of good stuff. So what good stuff are they doing this, this week? Well, Anything? this week, well, this week, more like November, um, they <laughs> decided that they are going to go against homeopathy yet again. So they announced new guidance that could lead to the end of homeopathy in America in less than three months. And uh, Green Med Info was uh, carried this article, but they were talking about how uh, they're going to, uh, under the new guidance, all homeopathic medicines will be considered illegal. And this is because the draft guidance declares all homeopathic medicines to be new drugs which have not undergone the agency's pre-market approval process known as the new drug application. So um, 
homeopathic medicines can't be patented and therefore cannot justify the uh, enormous expenditures that this new drug approval application entails. And so the FDA insists that they should be put through this process and they will be uh, starting to ban these types of medicines in the US. And uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, they've been going after homeopathy for over 30 years, it seems you know, just to try and discredit it and um, make it seem like it's junk science or it doesn't really work. Um, one of the things that in the US you can do is you can contact the FDA and um, give your feedback, uh, share information with others, but it looks like it's not only happening in the US, it's also uh, happening in the UK. So they, uh, there was an article carried on SOT about how the NHS blacklists homeopathy um, uh, because of the mistaken belief that it doesn't work. And um, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence said multiple reviews have showed no evidence to the, uh, the uh, effectiveness of homeopathy. Which is untrue. And then, yeah. And, um, you know, as we've shared many times on this show, it sounds like big pharma is really trying to eliminate yeah. this type of alternative medicine because it is, I mean, I've used homeopathics for years. It's non-toxic. I mean, you can't really OD on homeopathy, right? I mean, if you... I think the, the main reason that they, they go after homeopathy and, and this, this story could have come from last year or the year before, like the mm -hmm. FDA has done this multiple times. Like I, I had deja vu while reading this article because I had read one on Mercola like last year and the year mm -hmm. before that it was on, you know, might've been Mercola again. I don't know, but, but so many times they do this draft legislation that essentially is calling for defining homeopathic uh, medicines as unregulated medicines and therefore illegal. Um, it's never, it has, so far it hasn't actually come gone through, but the threat is there and is renewed over and over and over and over again. And what I was going to say before is that I think that the reason is because it's actually quite effective. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, it got a good strong foothold in the West, like say it does in India, um, pharmaceuticals would, would have a real problem on their hands because who's going to pay thousands of dollars for their bullshit medications when a $10 um, medication could, could do better than it does. Yeah. And some believe it's just a thorn in the side of big pharma because it's um, safe and inexpensive and it, it can't be patented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we see this again and then it's kind of like the vaccine thing, like you're saying, Doug, it does feel like you're in a deja vu. You know, we've been doing this show for five years and it feels like every year it's like, wait, didn't we just cover that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how does it keep coming back? Yeah. And I it's think true. it's because people are turning away from these you know, big pharma drugs, and they're realizing that there is other options out there. And, you know, probably why Dr. Google is cracking down on researches. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, oh, we got to control the narrative here. We can't make people access information that could really take out our bottom line. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Well, I think that the people who are really firm believers and have used homeopathy uh, for a long time, I think that maybe if they've been following the stories, hopefully they've been stocking up. And I think that maybe there's going to still be some underground practitioners or some people who are so powerful you can't touch them. Like I've read that yeah. the Queen of England takes homeopathic remedies mm -hmm. and she's pretty old. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she eats like the best food in the world too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. still, I think the people who are really clued in on it, they'll probably find ways to get around it. Like even if they have to make their own remedies or get them smuggled in from India. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think like it's going do anywhere. In homeo India. Homeopathic tourism, things like that. Yeah, 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 totally. How, how many people does homeopathy kill per year? <laughs> how many? How it's many? Gotta be at least, it's got to be like at, at least zero. Yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah, at most many, zero. How many cases of autism are caused by homeopathy? Right. Uh, how many? I, I had to guess. Say drug zero. reactions. You know, how many people drop dead from from taking a homeopathic homeopathic arnica tincture? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's just a, a an upside down crazy. It's an abomination. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it says more. It's it's interesting because in these times, the FDA they show their true colors. They mm -hmm. show where their allegiances are, and it's not with the health of the people, for sure. Um, because and some, they're gaslighting the population as a whole, because homeopathy is accepted and kind of utilized, although not by everyone, by a large, mm -hmm. a large portion of the population in general. Um, and there, there are kind of commonly understood benefits, which go way beyond modern medicine. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, I can kind of equate it to a mass gaslighting mm -hmm. where they're essentially telling people, no, um, you know, we don't, we don't care what you think works we'll tell you what works mm -hmm. and then in fact if you don't believe us then we'll we'll out, outlaw it yeah you know so you you can get locked up if for taking some homeopathic arnica <laughs> and the stupid thing is is that they they try like they, they they can't have it both ways right like one of their arguments is that we have to ban it because it doesn't do anything it's a placebo mm -hmm. and if people take that then they won't see they won't seek out actual treatment that will help them and it will hurt them. So nanny state tactics, right? You can't do this because it will hurt you. And then on the other hand, they'll say something like, no, these are medicines so that they, they, you can't take them because it's, they're unlicensed medicines. Well, which is it? Is it yeah. fake? Does it do nothing? Mm -hmm. Or is it a medicine? You know, mm -hmm. what, like you can't have it both ways. It's, it, it's, it either does nothing, which is what the materialists will all tell you because it's like they, they cannot possibly fit into their brain that it might have a mechanism of action that doesn't involve um, physical molecules doing things, that there might actually be like an information level mm -hmm. uh, or on or, or on the other hand, they're dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Well, they're dangerous because they don't have any uh, side effects. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. Well, that's why more and more as time goes by, uh, you know, you, you try to say, well, not everything is a conspiracy. They're not all liars. There's some yes, people who really believe in what they're doing. <laughs> but as time passes, I'm just like, 
I feel that everything is a conspiracy because they know exactly what to ban and what not to ban in all cases. They mm-hmm. never make a mistake and let something good pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. That that's true. Well, at all at, at the same time though, I do think that there are a lot of people out there who have a philosophical objection to homeopathy. Like mm-hmm. I was saying, you know, materialists basically like they don't they cannot get their head around the idea that there might be something going on that involves, you know, information or um, you know, fields like you know in in physics and things like that that it's actually like it's it's operating on those sorts of levels you know they're strictly materialist and they cannot um accept something that isn't a nuts and bolts kind of interpretation of things mm-hmm. and you know they actually think they're doing the right thing by trying to um get through to the brainwashed masses that this thing that saved their life didn't actually save their life that it was just a placebo um so yeah with home <laughs> But at the same time, I think if you go uh, high up off the ladder, there are a number of people out uh, there who are kind of like, yeah, we know it works, but we've, we've got to just kind of like push this aside because mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to run us out of business if people figure this out. <laughs> well, t- talking about <clears throat> talking about the sham that is the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> and the the, you know, some of those we're talking briefly before about how many of the drugs which big pharma push onto people as though they are the one and only solution for their health problems have awful side effects well this is also the case with a very 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 common pharmaceutical uh taken by you know quite a large percentage of women and that is the oral contraceptive pill mm-hmm. so just after Christmas, there was um, an article <clears throat> on quite a well-known website. It's called Medical News Today. This is, you know, it's a relatively mainstream website, if I remember correctly. And um, they're talking about a, a study that came out not long ago, talking about how <clears throat> the birth control pills or oral contraceptive pills, um, the previous research looking at the effect it had on hormones um, was only looking at the effect that it had on hormones. Now, there has been a lot of other research over the past couple of decades demonstrating potentially causal, if not merely uh, just associative links with a variety of different adverse health outcomes, one of those being breast cancer. Um, that is a very common one, but also cancer of multiple different organs. Um, there are kind of neuropsychiatric associations. There are depletions of certain vitamins. Um, but I've never personally come across this side effect before. And um, <clears throat> it was quite unexpected from the researchers who were doing this study. Basically, what they were doing was they did a study uh, looking at certain parts of the brain um, and comparing them between women uh, women who did take the oral contraceptive contraceptive sorry contraceptive pill and women who didn't take the oral contraceptive pill and what they found and they weren't looking for this but what they found was a dramatic difference in size of the part of the brain called the hypothalamus so it turns out that the women who took the oral contraceptive pill actually had significantly smaller hypothalamic volume 
Now, the hypothalamus is a very special part of the brain. It makes up, you can think of it as a relay center, control center, and it has a kind of regulatory or modulatory effect on several different functions involving hormonal balance, involving energy metabolism, involving, um, it's kind of involved in the pathways which are said to be related to emotions, to fear, to anger, to all of these different kinds of things. And um, and yeah, what they found was that these women, after taking the oral contraceptive pill, I don't know if they know the mechanism, but they found that it actually reduces the size of this part of the brain. Now, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, it's funny. I I always remember long before I got into, you know, holistic health and that sort of thing, it was well known within my circle of friends at the time who were not particularly like anti-mainstream kind of thing. They were pretty, you know, normal people. But there was common knowledge that the pill made women crazy. Yeah. That, like it was not a good idea to do it. And, you know, you know, you can try it, but, um, oh, you know, everybody knows that it actually makes women crazy. And it's kind of like it was, it was known at that time that that's what would happen if women did the oral contraceptive for, for long enough, I guess. And, you know, different people would experiment with it and be like, oh, no, no it turns out you're right. I, I, I went crazy on it. So <laughs> this kind of thing doesn't really surprise me in the least that it's actually having this kind of uh, negative effect on the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, from, they... Sorry, go ahead, Erica. Oh, I was just going to say from my um, my experience with it, because I was on it many years ago, it essentially just tricks your body into thinking you're in a constant state of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So that would... Uh, that would explain why, you know, you have those hormonals up and downs and then weight gain and, um, you know, weird eating habits, sleep habits and whatnot. But what's really kind of concerning about this article is that um, they're not only prescribing the pill now for birth control, but they're also prescribing it for a wide range of other conditions. So I, I guess maybe you know that TIF, the off-label prescribing, you know, they're giving it to women for um, irregular menstruation, acne, Mm -hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, and cramps. And they even said that they're giving it to women that want to delay or um, eliminate menstruation, which Mm -hmm. is just insane. On so well, many levels. a lot of women do that. Say they they have a vacation or something coming up and they don't want to get their period while they're on vacation. They will not take any of the dummy pills. They'll just continue to take the active pills in the birth control pack. So that's really nothing new. But the fact that doctors are sanctioning this, saying that it's okay, that you should interfere with your natural cycle by taking the birth control pill to prevent having your period that is something new for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then also there's a whole generation of women that are not being able to get pregnant after taking the pill for extended periods of time too Mm -hmm. so yeah they you'd be you'd be amazed you know i've heard some real horror stories people uh young women you know having say they have particularly heavy menses when they first come onto their period or they get acne 
or they might be developing some of the symptoms related to polycystic ovarian syndrome, stick them on the pill. They stay mm-hmm. on the pill for 20 years and then they want to get pregnant. And then they come off the pill and they wonder why they can't get pregnant. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like this stuff. I mean, they haven't had some women have never had a period. They've never had a period because they were stuck on the pill and their, I mean, their body has never gone through a proper cycle. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it takes some real time and some real like fixing to reverse the damage that that does mm-hmm. because you're having so many kind of unseen effects. It really is criminal to prescribe this stuff for, you know, getting young children on it for acne, for instance. I mean, that is just... That's unbelievable. It's, you would be amazed. It's so common, so common. It's, it's, you know, it's normal practice these days. Um, again, you know, unfortunately, they, they don't tell the teenagers that it's going to increase their likelihood of getting ovarian cancer by the time they're 25 by about 50 times. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them that, do they? But, you know... Very well, maybe sad. that 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 smaller hypothalamus too is is connected to that. I mean, we'll see where this research goes, but yeah, yeah, pretty uh, pretty depressing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there, it, there Whenever was we do one of these news shows, it's always, always, <laughs> always bad news. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> There's never any good news. And here well, we thought 2020 was going to be different. <laughs> is is there any wonder why millennials who have had this kind of these drugs and these chemicals and these all of this stuff foisted upon them most of their life? Is there any wonder why millennials are seeing their health decline faster than ever before? So for the first time, what we see is that actually millennials which are i think that that means any individual born between the years of 1981 and 1996 mm. this is the typical uh, kind of age range for millennials well it turns out that <clears throat> this recent study showed that or if the forecasting is correct the way that things are going um the millennials in, in comparison to the older or the next generation or the previous generation, they're called Gen Xs, um, it says that millennial treatment costs are project, projected to be as much as 33% higher than Gen Xs experienced at a comparable age. So essentially what we're seeing is that millennials are developing health problems, which you would usually see much later on, say 10, 15, 20 years down the line. So we've seen Mm -hmm. cardiovascular disease appear. I mean, if you listen to many of the doctors, you'll actually see that you're having diabetics, um, type 2 diabetics being diagnosed at 15 years old. This used to be seen as, you know, it used to be referred to as senile diabetes kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You develop it when you're in your 70s. Whereas now you've got 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds being diagnosed as this. You're having people developing dementia at 40 years of age. Yeah. Right? So we're, we're having these many of these kinds of diseases which were typically associated with older onset or, or much older ages, seeing that actually people much younger are developing these. And is it any wonder when <clears throat> the Gen Xs may have been given 
may maybe kind of four or five vaccines when they were babies or when they were mm-hmm. in their kind of toddler years. Mm-hmm. Whereas we look at the millennials and it's even worse for the later generation, but the millennials, you know, we were the ones who were really hit with increasing vaccines, mm-hmm. um, more chemicals, glyphosate, yeah, um, more processed foods, more kind of Wi-Fi, for instance. You know, I know, mm-hmm. I know that when I was, um, you know, when I was below the age of 10 years old, I think we had Wi-Fi mm-hmm. um, or, you know, we were getting to that anyway. So, so essentially, uh, the, the millennials have, we've taken a bit of a harder hit, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to factor in the whole vegan craze that's going around too mm. for the last few years. I mean, the poor nutrition, not just if you're eating junk food, which is bad enough, but people think they're eating healthy because they're eating a plant-based diet. Plant. That just adds to it. <laughs> well, the thing was, it kind of pissed me off because this article actually, the only reason that they give why this might be happening is that millennials don't go to the doctor as often <laughs> yeah. as other generations do, or they don't have a relationship with their doctor. They feel a little bit more isolated. They don't trust their doctor as much, so they don't go to it. And I'm like, what a bunch of baloney. Like, that's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. It ha- I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. In fact, that would probably mean that they would not be getting these diseases as often because they're avoiding iatrogenic causes. Uh-huh. But I think for sure, like Elliot was saying, the GMOs, the pesticides, the herbicides, the Wi-Fi, the cell phones, and just the poor nutrition. You know, it always reminds me of like um, that experiment that that guy Pottinger did with the, with the cats, where he was feeding them kind of crappy food. And he fed, like he was looking at different generations and it's kind of like feeding them crappy food by the third generation, I think it was. Yeah, the third generation, the cats were no longer able to reproduce because mm-hmm. the nutrition had just degraded them so much to the point where they were no longer able to do, to reproduce. Well, like how many generations now have we been having this like processed crap where, you know, people haven't seen have never seen a vegetable, you know? <laughs> it's basically like or meat for that matter. Actually, that's mm-hmm. better. Anyway, it just kind of it it seems like the this generation the millennials might be that tipping point where it's kind of like the health just completely collapses because their parents and their parents before them were eating garbage or the the diets have gotten progressively worse as the as the ages have gone on and also that cascade effect of you know not having normal childhood struggles of like dealing with schoolyard bullies because everything has become so regulated nanny state and not being able to go outside and you know like the psychological aspects of that too and you know wi-fi social media like being completely isolated and almost learning life lessons virtually instead of in in real time Mm -hmm. because the antibacterial soaps (laughs) (laughs) killing off the microbiome to to the too many clean kids that are Mm -hmm. in sterile environments that um have no real concept of what the world outside of their domain is even like you know yeah because i know the mental health is failing as well for young uh not just millennials but each generation after that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you know i don't don't think we're going to need a study 
to tell us that actually the what referred to as iGen, which are kind of the very young uns born after say 2000 or something, mm-hmm. they're they're in for a rocky road. Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sometimes amazed looking at the food that these kids eat. I wonder how they're even still alive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just pure, empty trash. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And then they're glued to their iPhone and iPad and little babies, for God's sake. I mean, like two-year-olds who have iPads like on their face all the time because mm-hmm. the parents are too bone idle to actually be a parent and just give them a phone. or a... And they've got this Wi-Fi stuff zinging their brain like 10 hours a day i mean there's no hope for for a child like that i would love Mm -hmm. to think that the human body can adapt but i really just think yeah that the health of the the next generation in you know in the western world i'm pretty sure it's you know spiraling down and there's not much you can do about it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean if you go out and look at the average person now like pretty much I'd say the majority of the people are fat, whether they're adults or children. Like even if you didn't know what was going on with them internally, you just look at them. People just look, they just look awful, mm-hmm. quite frankly. And it's not just because they're fat, like their skin is bad. Everybody just seems like they're just busted and just broken down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just where I live, but people <laughs> just really look unhealthy, regardless of whether they're, you know, pre-diabetic yet or anything like that. Yeah. Also, kind of that zombie-eyed, um, not aware of your surroundings, tuned out, mm-hmm. attention de- deficit, <laughs> like uh, even adults, um, you know, have like a attention span that is shocking to say mm-hmm. the least. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's the, the culminating of of this kind of like you're saying, Tiff, like this just culture of like oh my god vapid consumer culture dumbed down educational system and the really bad health system i think we're just screwed (laughs) yeah well oftentimes when i walk past mcdonald's and take a peep into the people who are sat in mcdonald's i often think these you know these guys are genetically modified people you know (laughs) it's true no no offense but they look like zombies Mm mm-hmm they're often gray and slightly yellow and don't really know what they're doing. They're just kind of, you know, it's, it's not very nice to look at. And I don't remember that as, as a, maybe I was just normalized to it when I was a child, but it seems like it's getting progressively worse. And even in the UK, now we don't have the obesity crisis to quite the extent that the United States does, but it seems like it, you know, close, very, it's getting there. It is indeed Mm -hmm. getting there. And then you go onto the European mainland you know, you go through somewhere like Bosnia or Serbia and you take a look at the people and they look pretty damn healthy. Mm-hmm. They're all very slim, very attractive, you know, beautiful skin, lovely hair. Just as, as a as a as a population, you think, well, these it's not just down to genetics. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's the countries who've adopted the Western or particularly the United States uh, dietary guidelines and then allowed the big massive um food uh producers you know fast fast junk food 
kind of companies to infiltrate in their into their culture, into their kind of um, you know supermarkets and things, and, and basically sell this junk to the people. You see that in places like Indonesia, where their previous health was was quite good, and then all of a sudden, when they adopt these horrible junk foods, you see that actually their in, incidence of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity just skyrockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, America's the greatest nation in the world. <laughs> well, that's the true. things we're exporting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anything anything else come to mind from what we've been talking about? Any, anything else anyone wanted to cover? We've gone through quite a bit. We have, um, yeah. Is there, I mean, there was a couple of other things, but is there... We're already getting on... Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to save the bad night. news for next time? Yeah. <laughs> oh, coming up the on worst time, news. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the worst news. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's oh, just it, it's all yeah. the it's all the same level news. It's all <laughs> yeah. Bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's. I'm feeling quite thoroughly depressed right now. <laughs> probably <laughs> enough for my mental health this week. Yeah. <laughs> But I do think it's important to know these things because it kind of helps you navigate in your world of like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Oh, you know, am I crazy? No, I'm just seeing things for as they are, you know, and, and all the different things even in this show that we've talked about, it's kind of this culminating effect that you're seeing around you and it really can't be denied anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's just because we've been doing this for five years and we keep having these deja vu moments of like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is coming back again. And why won't this thing die? Like just, <laughs> so. Yeah, you've, you've, sometimes you've got to laugh or you'll cry, eh? And it, mm-hmm. If it can give you a bit of comedic value every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just skimming through the news and kind of wondering how far can it go and sit back and watch a show, I guess. Well, I think too, it's important. It seems that being able to share these things with people, even on a small level, you know, somebody asks you, oh, you know, what do you think about homeopathy or whatever the topic is? You know, you can say, well, you know, make sure to, there's three sides to every story, right? There's the truth somewhere in the middle and there's this side and that side. But um, I've noticed just in, situations work-wise that people are much more open to the possibility that things aren't what the news or the media is feeding them that there's mm-hmm. something else going on and they're they're interested they're curious i should say mm. and i think you can introduce topics without being um sounding like tiffany was saying earlier like a conspiracy theorist you know? <laughs> like uh you know, a great thing is like everyone getting the flu right now and they've all got their flu vaccines and you're like, well, maybe, hey, maybe next year. No one ever the- seems to notice. <laughs> I know. The flu vaccine. It's like every year I see people all around me getting the flu vaccine. I'm like, oh, man, I got the flu. I just got the flu vaccine a few weeks ago. It's like, hello. You said the same thing last year. You don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe 2020 is the the time is ripe for just broaching those subjects a little bit now that they've gotten the flu five years in a row after getting the flu vaccine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But as always, I'm an optimist. 
I'm not. I'm a pessimist. I know. Me too. I know. I know. I'm the solo one here. Somebody's got to hold up that the optimism flag. <laughs> so, um, yeah. On that on that positive note, is uh, anyone got any other questions? Or oh, sorry, any any comments? Anything that we want to say? Any answers? We all have plenty of comments, but we'll save it for another show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay then. Well, that looks like it is the end of this week's show. Um, so thanks to our audience. Thanks to my co-hosts, Erica, Doug, and Tiff. Thank you to myself. My name's Elliot. And <laughs> um, yeah, so tune in for next week's show. Um, not sure what the topic is yet, but we will be doing one this time, same time next week. Um, if you like this show and you found it helpful, Maybe share it on Facebook, share it on social media. You can like and subscribe to our page. We're also on Facebook as Objective Nutrition, where we post health. articles and up, objective objective health. Objective <laughs> health, where we post articles <laughs> and things. And um, and yeah, um, thanks for listening and see you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.